This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. Dev Asur, Season 1, Episode 3 Time had frozen for Shreya. Her eyes were fixed on the light of the two moons, soaking the dry blades of grass on the battlefield. They swayed gently in the breeze, awaiting the crushing footfalls of the Danava horde. She wanted to remember this moment, for this surely was the final gift to her senses before death. But then, in her peripheral vision, The surviving members of her Apsara squad appeared one after the other. How is this possible? We don't have wings, she thought. <coughs> she looked back and found Belvir flinging Apsara soldiers across the murderous trench where insectoid Dathias had struck a devastating blow to the Deva army. Belvir's enormous arm and shoulder muscles rippled as he engaged in this task with great determination. The Apsara warriors who had landed next to their squad leader Shreya greeted her with relief and reverence. But they did not acknowledge the unceremonious way in which they were being tossed across the ditch by the company larrikin Belvir. Then Belvir was joined by another yaksha under his command and together they propelled the ballista across the chasm along with its crew. Eventually, with the aid of the powerful downward thrust of his wings, Belvir leapt across the trench to join his fellow captain. Shreya and Belvir clasped hands. The yaksha accepted Shreya's smile as thanks. That was a nifty move, Sena Naik, Shreya said. Improvisation is preferred over strict adherence to battle plans. If its adoption helps you navigate a difficult situation, Belvir said. Cholobakya, Thoughts on the Krithika Campaign, Chapter 4, Section 9.08, Shreya said. Am I ever going to intellectually... One up you, Sena Naika, Belvir said with a chuckle. I know you will keep trying and failing, 
Shreya responded with a punch to his arm. Her tone turned serious as she said, I want you to lead the company. I'm heading down to the trenches to save who I can, Shreya said. Balvir said, I appreciate the sentiments in Anaika, but I would much rather have you fight by my side when the odds are so stacked against us. I don't understand, Shreya said with a quizzical look. Well, look who's turned up to unleash hell, Balvir said, pointing towards the treacherous pit. Shreya's eyes landed on the site Balvir had drawn her attention to, and it brightened her expression. I agree with you, Belvir. The commander has this under control, Shreya said, as she watched Thages descend into the open tunnel, teeming with Dathias and Devas, engaged in a death struggle. She then did a quick headcount of their company. Nineteen Apsaras and two Yakshas, including both Belvir and herself, had to protect the Ballista and its four-member crew. A quick survey of the battle lines revealed a diminished Deva army fighting against increasingly tough odds. She tried not to think of the soldiers they had lost, but it came out as a sad sigh. We can do this. Are we not the Shaudia Company, the greatest retinue in the army of Indra? Belvir said encouragingly. Okay. Let's deal with this impossibly large army of monsters surging towards us, Shreya said with a smile. The remaining members of Shaudia Company prepared to push on into a maelstrom of blades and animalistic violence. Tejas fired up the Marathaka in his staff with magical utterances. A flame blossomed out of the glowing orange gem, ready to unleash its fury on the insect-like Dathias. Ahead of them, he saw soldiers engaged in mortal combat, their feet churning bloody soil and flesh and bone cleaved from celestial beings that once lived and breathed. Dead bodies were plastered to the sides of the bloody trench, like a gory display in some hellish museum devoted to the madness of endless war. The sickening smells of an abattoir assailed Thedus's nostrils, and bile rose in his chest. Insect-human hybrids, free and eager to continue the butchery, spotted the winged commander and prowled towards him, bearing their choice weapons glistening with the blood of dead Davis. The mandibles in their mouth came together to create human-like sounds that Tejas perceived as curses. Enemy spotted. The antennae, springing forth from the sides of their head, shivered with kill lust. Tejas clutched at his heart. The visions from the past were threatening to overwhelm him. That terrible event, which had caused him to lose his faith, played in an endless loop in his head. The butchery he had witnessed on that bloody battlefield many years ago had been recreated again to chastise him for his sins. He knew in his heart that this debilitating assault of dreadful visions compromising his sanity 
was the first of many punishments awaiting him. I am responsible. I will burn forever in Naraga for what I did, Tejas muttered. His legs grew weak, his vision blurred, the wings on his back felt like lead weighing him down to the depths of a pitch-black ocean. The blazing flame at the tip of his staff died out. Then came another voice, which was in fact a melange of voices, whose source he could never determine. It offered words of assurance like it always did, every time he was caught in the vicious tentacles of guilt. Fight, Tejas. Fight. Your company, your army depends on you. He slapped his face with his free hand, to snap out of the stressful loop his mind had found itself in. In the distance, he saw some of his own company soldiers meet a gory end at the hands of the insectoid monstrosities. He saw one Apsara taking on two Dathias at once, slaying them with eloquent strokes of her sword. He saw another Gantharva commander unleashing projectiles created from rocks controlled by his Prithvi Marathaga staff. The stone bullets shredded the enemies in an instant. Fight, Tejas. You will eventually need to pay for what you owe to the dead. But now you must fight for the living. He said to himself. Tejas broke out of the mentally draining spell and lifted up his staff. The Dathias, desirous of Tejas's severed head, moved ever closer. It was now or never. He charged up the fiery heart of the Marathaka, crowning his staff, and uttered the incantation dedicated to Agni from the Veda Samhita. The Dathias charged. Agni, the heart of suns, the rage of volcanoes, fill me with thy power, Tejas said as he channeled magic into his staff. The rabble of Dathia killers drew back their weapons or raised it over their heads and leapt at Tejas with joyful shrieks. (laughs) However, their desire to menace Tejas' winged form with their spears and scimitars and sickles were denied by a burst of fire which incinerated them. Tejas kept walking, stepping over the smoldering remains of the initial attack group to face another horde, fresh from the merciless butchery of an Apsara and a Yaksha. Tejas unleashed a tiny comet of fire streaming blue trails at them, reducing most of them to ashes. The Dathias who survived suffered deep burns which rendered them useless. Tejas smashed his staff into the faces of these squealing Dathias and gave them a merciful end. Once the Marathaka gem was used to conjure elemental magic, there was a cool-down period before it could be used again. But a Gandharva was not without help during such down times. The bottom of Tejas' staff featured a sharp spear tip which he used liberally to stab and skewer any Dathia that dared to step into his combat range. Occasionally, 
Tejas flew up in the air and then plunged back down with tremendous force to smash into his enemies, sending his sharp weapon plunging into the tops of their heads. He pivoted and pirouetted and swept his staff in a graceful arc to smash its solid form into the joints and vulnerable spots of the Dathia warriors. His beautiful white feathers were coated with gore as he flew through a pack of Dathias, with the spear end of his staff pointed forwards. They fell like trees torn apart in the path of a rampaging hurricane. His dance of butchery continued for a while, and thus he and other Gantarva commanders systematically wiped out the monstrous insect warriors before rescuing the Yakshas and Apsaras who were struggling to fend off their attackers. thick of the battle. Having conquered the reptilian hordes of Nagas and surmounted the threat posed by the insectoid Dathias, now they were faced with the fury of Deshas. Deshas were a hybrid of humans and the forms of various animals. Wherever they looked, the Devas found strange combinations of solid human physiques combined with wild creations like lions and apes and hippos to name a few. They were ferocious battle-hardened hulking brutes who showcased tattoos of their battle exploits on their scarred furry skin. They were protected by steel-coloured studded half-plate armour made from cheap metal and poor quality leather. They wore no helms, as they preferred to display their animalistic expressions and sharp teeth for the benefit of their adversaries, before they descended on them like a vicious tempest. Their spiked Morningstar maces and flanged steel weapons were more than capable of violently translating the power in their muscular arms. As the Deva army clashed with the Deshes in their final push towards the orb, they were thrown into a meat grinder of snarls and flashing blades that demanded the most advanced skills they possessed as soldiers. It required them to call on every ounce of their strength and every drip of their fortitude. <coughs> Heads were reaped from shoulders, bellies were torn open. Throats were slashed as the Apsaras and Yakshas menaced the massive horde of bestial brutes. Even as their comrades rescued from the trenches bolstered their numbers, the Davis felt like they had massively underestimated the strength and determination of the monstrous soldiers. Shrey and Belvir fought back to back as they shouted commands at their squads. 
Shreya skewered a desher with a rhinoceros head. Belvir slayed a tiger woman. Then they swapped sides and laid into other were creatures, flanking them for kill strikes. Once their rescue mission was complete, the Gantharvas, including Tejas, joined in on the battle, only to be met with resistance from the fourth and final pillar of the Danava army, the most elite squadron in their brutal ranks, the Geruda squadron. They were half bird, half human Danavas with the gift of flight. Vicious bird warriors, bearing lances and pikes, crashed into the flying forms of the Gantharvas. A half-eagle, half-man creature dueled with Tejas in the skies. Tejas pulled out his powerful sword and fended off furious stabs from a trident. The two warriors wheeled and whisked meters above the battlefield in a violent aerial display. The duel was a series of missed thrusts and blocked strikes for several minutes before a powerful slash of Tejas's sword removed the eagle head from the corded human shoulders. The vortex of violence was now playing out on the ground and in the air as the night became a theatre of clashing blades, dying screams and unending war cries. While the brute strength of the Dashes won over the first movement of the battle, the military precision and impeccable training of the Devas shone through as they slowly gained an upper hand. Still, their compatriots died by the hundreds. Birdmen slew Gantharva commanders in the skies. Boar tusks disemboweled Apsara swordbearers. Yakshas screamed to their deaths as dashers with the heads of wild dogs bit into them simultaneously and ripped vital body parts free from their bodies. The Shaudia company was surging with minimal damage and cutting a bloody path through the ranks of Danavas. But their luck ran out when a gang of bare-headed dashers sneaked a crocodilian naga priestess, one of the worshippers who had danced around the orb into the middle of the battle. Shreya sported her amongst the mass of fighting bodies by pure luck. The creature wore magenta robes and the bulky forms of bare men holding giant scimitars surrounded her. A bulky pack of explosive firepower was tightly bound to her chest with ropes. The crocodilian priestess had just finished lighting the fuse when she saw Shreya moving in her direction. Stop her! Shreya shouted in a voice which drew not just the attention of the surrounding Deva soldiers, but also Belvir and Tejas. The priestess ran with the explosive towards the ballista, guarded by Shaudia company soldiers, as her bodyguards crafted a clear pathway to the target. Stop her! Shreya yelled again, as she willed her legs to sprint towards the suicide bomber. Tejas folded his wings and arrowed down in an interception course. But he was blocked mid-flight as a Geruda squadron fighter slammed into him and engaged him in brutal aerial combat. 
Belvir pumped his wings and landed near the protective cordon surrounding the priestess. Detecting the threat presented by the giant Yaksha, two of the five bear soldiers safeguarding the crocodile-human hybrid intercepted him. They engaged Belvir in a furious two-against-one sword fight that took him out of action. Shreya ran like her legs were on fire. She had noted earlier that the Dhanavas had destroyed most of the Deva ballistas. Shaudia Company offered a rare chance at completing the mission. She couldn't let them destroy the weapon whose protection was entrusted to them. She grabbed a spear from a fellow Apsara and flung it at the bounding priestess. One of the Desha protectors got in the way of the keening weapon and sacrificed his life to save Shreya's target. Shreya grabbed another spear and threw it with great vehemence. It flew just over the head of the priestess who looked back at the Apsara with fearful reptilian eyes even as she sped towards her intended destination. The last two bare bodyguards pushed forward and slashed and hacked at the devas protecting the precious ballista. The Desha slayed half of the defensive deva forces but succumbed to the fight back from the other half. It didn't matter that they were dead. They had done their jobs. They had successfully engaged the protectors of the mighty bow, long enough for the bomber to arrive at the optimum distance to unleash her explosive handiwork. In a last-ditch effort to salvage the situation, Shreya flung her sword at the Naga priestess carrying the bomb. It found its mark at the back of her reptilian head, just as she reached the ballista. The priestess's dead body, bearing the activated fire pack, slummed against the wheels of the machine. The explosion sent splintered wood and steel flying in all directions. Several Deva and Dhanava soldiers, in the immediate radius of the explosion, were turned to mincemeat. Shreya was flung back meters and landed on her back with a painful thud. Her head slammed into the ground. She saw stars overlaying the sight of the two moons in the night sky. The blast had taken with it the Shaudia companies and indeed the Deva army's final hope of conquering the portal engine. For theirs was the last ballista standing. And now it was but a pile of cinder and ash.